Hey there and welcome. You are listening to the Parkview Global Podcast. We are so excited for you to join the conversations between our Global Missions hosts and our amazing guests. Don't forget to follow our social media accounts at Parkview Global. Now, enjoy the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Parkview Global Podcast. My name is Bill Carroll, and I am the Global Pastor at Parkview Christian Church right outside of Chicago. And I am joined by Christy Mullen, our Africa Coordinator. Welcome, Christy. Hello, everybody. We want to invite you to follow along with us as we welcome a different one of our global partners on the podcast each month. Today, we welcome the podcast, Alan and Cherry Mesmer. Alan and Cherry have been working in Taichung City, Taiwan for several years. Uh, they've been in several different um, chapters of ministry over the years, but all of those have been to bring the love of Jesus to the people of this island country. Alan and Cherry have five daughters and have a really great story. I can't wait for you to meet them. Welcome, Alan and Cherry. Thank you. Thank you. Great Hi. to be here. Hi. All right. So name all the girls' names and how old they are. Okay. Um, Kirsty is 15. And then we have Caitlin, who's 12. Kylie is 10. And Kenzie is 7. And Karen is two. Nice. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, and how many of them, how many were born in Taiwan or what, while you were living in Taiwan? They were all born in Taiwan. Actually. Nice. That's cool. That's awesome. Okay. So let's go way back to the very beginning. Cause the two of you have very different family of origin stories and, and different routes of how God led you to the mission field. So will you both kind of tell your story? So I was actually born in Belgium. My parents were also missionaries and they were in Belgium for 17 years. So I was there till I was nine, uh, grew up speaking Dutch and loving soccer and those kind of things. And then when I was nine, they moved to South Africa. So in South Africa, um, you know, it's very different, but actually some of the, the language is similar because the Dutch were in South Africa too. So got to use Afrikaans and things like that. Um, Ended up graduating from high school in South Africa and then went to Bible college in Missouri. And at that time, it, it really wasn't clear what I was going to do. But basically, it ended up that I lived seven more years in the States uh, before coming to Taiwan. And we've been here over 15 now. So nice. Uh, four different continents that I've lived on, but actually I've lived in Taiwan more than any other place. Well, that's cool. That's cool. How about you, Cherry? Um, well, I grew up in rural Iowa and in a Christian home, and I lived in the same house for 18 years, so very different than Alan's story. <laughs> but um, I decided to follow Jesus, became a Christian when I was eight, almost eight. And at that time, we our church was supporting a missionary who lived in Jamaica, and he sent me a couple books and a letter and it was the books were about a missionary family who had who had served in Asia and how God brought them through some really tough times. And that just really piqued my curiosity in missions. Um, after that, a few years later, there were some refugees that came to our church and my parents really just looked after them and they taught English and they let them garden on our land and nice just really shared Christ with them. And that's always had a big impression on me, just watching my mom and dad and um, their faith in action. Um, then when I was 15, my mom passed away from cancer. 
And that really changed my perspective on what life is about and just gave me that a deeper relationship with God. I had to have that because just out of necessity. A few years later, I went to a Bible camp, a church camp, and I that's when I first heard about the need in other places for people to share the gospel and just how there's millions of people that have never heard and not very many people out there telling them, especially compared to what I grew up with in the States where it was so available. And at that point, I just really felt um, a burden and I couldn't shake that, you know? So uh, after that, I started um, thinking about missions and I went to Bible college and I uh, pursued a cross-cultural degree and I found Alan. <laughs> <laughs> I love how, what different stories you have. And then I mean, how many of you guys, how many years have you guys been in Taiwan now? It's just over 15 years. Um, so 15. our oldest daughter was born just a few months after we arrived. So, so as long as we remember how old she is, then we can that's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. And and in the 15 years, you guys have lived in different places in Taiwan, correct? Right. Yeah. Tell, tell us about the places where you've lived and what makes each one special. So um, really, we've only lived in two places. Uh -huh. When we first came, we moved to Taipei City. And that's just a fun city. It's the capital. Uh, there's 7 million people in the metro area. You know, it's... Um, fast paced. There's, I mean, it's a very modern city. It's always trying to be cutting edge. So you just always felt like, you know, whatever was new, you're, you're with it. And, uh, transportation's great. You can visit night markets and, uh, it, it's, it's just a really fun city, but the difference with Taipei is it was great while we had two kids. Um, right. but once you get three, you can't fit all four people on a scooter <laughs> and even a taxi the four yes. person limit. It's true. Uh, I mean, I've seen five people on a scooter, but it's... It yeah. doesn't look pretty. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not what you guys were looking to do, right? <laughs> no. So... How often do you really use that joke? That's a, that's a great joke, Alan. <laughs> it's true, though. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the birth rate in Taiwan is, I think it's the second lowest in the world. So oh. with five kids, we really stand out. And... Um, <laughs> As fun as Taipei was, and I still miss it, the people, you know, were, were great. The relationships we had there, um, fantastic. And, um, but when we moved to Taichung, it's, it's also a big city. It's 4 million people. But the district we live in, uh, Fengyun, is, is much more spread out. And it, it really feels like a small town. It's 165,000 people, but it just feels... Um, it's definitely a different feeling. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's a little bit slower paced and everybody has a little bit more time to get to know each other they're not so rushed so and the the other right. thing we really love about taijong is the sunshine <laughs> nice. yeah taijong is definitely known for its sunshine whereas during the rainy season in taipei i think one time we went six weeks without seeing the sun um wow. and in taijong always great weather nice <laughs> and isn't the is it the center of the island that's, that's like a national park like it's very green in the middle yeah, and we are definitely just um, just near the center, and so that's a really amazing thing about Taiwan is you can get to either the coast or the mountains within, I mean, 
15, 20 minutes, wow. depending on where you are. So you've got city and you've got the convenience of that. And then you want nature. You just, you know, hop on a scooter and, and go, go east and you're there in 15 minutes. It's so. really, really breathtaking scenery. Yeah. So, and the people are really friendly. We love that about Taiwan. Nice. What is the total population of, of the, of the country? 23 million. Good. Yeah. In a small space. Can you, yeah. Can you guys um, just share a little bit about Taiwan's history with us? Sure. So Taiwan does have a very interesting history. I mean, for, you know, thousands of years, it was, um, you know, more the Polynesian people group and, they actually colonized a lot of, not colonized, but um, they they populated a lot of the islands, even as far down to Fiji. How about um, how about the history of Christianity in Taiwan? And maybe um, could you share some of the characteristics of um, the churches there? Yeah. So the the first missionaries were actually Presbyterian missionaries back in. How early was that? That was in 1860s. the 18, yeah, 1860s. And so they actually, they were both from Canada and from England, and they established the first hospital in Taiwan and the first university. And so there was, there started to become some, some missionary influence that long ago. But then when the Japanese took Taiwan, they actually didn't allow missionaries to come in. And so all kind of evangelism stopped for that period until the Republic of China actually took Taiwan back in 1945. And at that point, a lot of missionaries left China and some of them came to Taiwan and also new missionaries started to come in. So it was really since 19, kind of really 49 on that the missionaries were able to come back into Taiwan. And that's when the you know, churches really started to to grow and more started to be planted. Yeah, and so you have a mix. The majority is traditional, and then there are some more more contemporary. And uh, we're actually trying to work with house churches, and, and there are a few different groups that do that as well. Over the years, the, I mean, you guys have had some really cool, different mission uh, ministry opportunities. Would you share a few of them with us? Sure, I'd love to. Want to go first? I guess... Um... In Taiwan, English is a really important thing. And so that's, it's a felt need for the people here. So a lot of the ministries that we do include helping people with their English. So we've had um, a lot of English Bible studies over the years, and we've been able to volunteer at schools um, and have been able to use the Bible to help the kids improve their English the opportunities, you know, it, it's just amazing because when you come to the field, you have these strategies and you have a plan and you think you have it all figured out. <laughs> and in our experience, what we found is about a hundred percent of what we plan doesn't work. <laughs> and God just says, Oh, I've already got this. Here's an opportunity. It's all ready for you to go. Uh, this is what I want you to do. And we really found that. And so it's been exciting like for example with the schools you know when school gets out you have hundreds of kids walking by your house and it just breaks your heart like how do you how do you share with them how do you even just walk up and say hey you want to get to know the foreigner here and so when god opened up 
Uh, we've been in I think, six different schools at this point, and we've been able to share with hundreds of kids. And it's just so amazing how something that is just a dream and then you know God opens up one school, which leads to another school, which leads to another. And at this point, we're still in two different schools. You know, so it's a window of opportunity right now that, that we have that we feel like, you know, as long as God allows us to do this, we'll, we'll keep doing this. Um, but another thing that I think is, is just as important is the opportunity to join other people's uh, clubs. So in Taiwan, people are very social. They like to, like, if you have an interest in cycling, you actually join a cycling club. And then when you go riding, there will be 30 or 40 people all together. Everybody goes on a ride. And then when they're done, it's, it's social. You go to a coffee shop and, and you're just chatting and drinking coffee. And it, that leads to relationships that you would not have. You know, these are people that would not come to one of your missionary events. And yet you can join their groups, whether it's, uh, you know. There's like camping groups nice. and um running clubs and jewelry making classes right. and it yeah. they are really good at making communities and so you just once you have a friend that invites you into their community it's like you know a new a new world that's open to you nice. <laughs> it's really nice so one of my favorite things is to hear about the story about the Parfu team that came and helped with the sports camp that you just talked about. We t There's actually a really cool kind of legacy connection there for us too with Parkview Global. Will you talk about that trip a little bit and like what those guys did, were able to serve you guys by, when, when, they, when they were there? They were just a fantastic group, uh, first of all. It was really fun. So sports and English camp, you know, basically what we're offering campers is the opportunity to be with English speakers for a week. And then we like to have uh, people from from the states, from our churches that that have experience with coaching or or just sports. And so, you know, we had fantastic not just athletes um, who had played sports at, at a very high level in the U.S. and some even internationally, but then the way they were able to coach and just engage with the kids, um, build them up, encourage them, have fun with them. I mean, they were just you know larger than life. And so you've got these these Taiwan kids who who we love and then you've got these fantastic you know coaches coming and they're pouring all their energy and yes. their passion into it and uh, most of these kids don't have never heard about Jesus or don't understand anything about him and so people who come actually get to be the ones who who introduce Jesus to them and mm -hmm. they they get to be his hands and feet, you know, for these kids. Awesome. So yeah, it's different than a lot of mission trips where you are serving the mission and you're serving the missionary. But in, in this case, you're, you are the missionary. And, you know, so the teams are able to come and work alongside us and they're, they're doing the ministry with us. And, and that's just, just a really neat thing. Even the relationships with social media, they can continue. Uh, a lot of times the kids who, who really connect with different coaches from the States end up visiting, you know, during college or after, and um, they just kind of keep that relationship going. It's fantastic. It. And the part I love about that story is that one of the girls on the team um, was a college scholarship soccer player and her name was Lauren and she right. came and that trip just changed her life. And she came back, she was an ER doctor. She sold everything she had basically. And she now is a missionary herself in the Middle East 
and doing amazing things. And what a cool connection between two of our global partners. We love that kind of stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah she was fantastic. <laughs> love it. Well, sticking on the theme of stories, because we really love them around here, would you guys um, tell us a couple stories about the way you've seen life on mission change people near you? All right. So um, I'll, I'll use a fake name. We'll go with um, how about Bob. <laughs> we actually first met Bob's mom. And Bob's mom worked in a grocery store. And um, it's kind of funny. When we came to Taiwan, actually, even when we applied, we didn't know we were pregnant yet. And the first person to notice that Cherry was pregnant was Bob's mom. Uh, she was selling milk. And she's like, oh, you need this kind of milk. <laughs> yes. She, she knew what Cherry needed for her nutrition for the baby. And so... It, it, it's kind of funny, but we ended up, we called her the milk lady at that point. We ended up uh, having a, a relationship with the milk lady. And after, it was after our daughter was actually born already, she asked us if we would teach her son English. And her son was uh, in his middle 20s at that point, and he's an engineer. At that point, he was actually designing cell phone keypads for Sony and a few other cell phone brands. And so... You know, he wanted to learn, so we used the book of Luke, and we would read through the English passage, and we'd discuss it, and then we'd pray, and it was very simple, but you know, uh, Bob, he's tall, good-looking, successful, and cool, you know, and, and and you're reading along, and I'd look up, and he'd be crying. Wow. I was like, what? What's going on? And the kind of... Uh, passages that he was praying about were usually Jesus's words. And so as, as we started to learn more about his story, uh, you know, Taiwan used to be a very poor nation and he, his family was poor. And so as a little kid, he decided that he was going to be successful and that he was going to uh, even like buy his parents a house and things like that. That was just part that was of his goal in life. Right. Yeah. And so passages where Jesus is talking about storing of treasures in heaven and, you know, everything in this world will pass away. Uh, just cut to his heart. And, um, and that happened a few times where we'd just be reading and he'd just be completely convicted by something Jesus said. And so after we finished the book of Luke, I just was curious, you know, what did he think about it? And so I said, what do you think? Uh, you know, and I'm, I didn't say about the book, but that's what I was thinking. And he said, um, I'm ready to follow Jesus and ready to become a Christian. And I was actually really surprised because I wasn't asking that question. And uh, so I knew that, you know, he's a young guy, he's good looking. I knew that he, he didn't have a Christian lifestyle. And so I said, are, are you sure? Are you sure you want to follow Jesus? Uh, you know, here's some of the things that you're going to kind of need to change. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm, I know all these things. I'm completely ready. Um, I'm ready to give up everything and follow Jesus. And the amazing thing is that was while we were still in Taipei. So we actually, Bob was actually the first person that we, you would say we led to Christ. Nice. Um, and he's still faithful. Uh, we still connect usually on social media. Sometimes actually we'll both take a train and meet halfway oh. between Taipei and Taichung cool. and have Love it. together. Um, and so through all these years, you know, he went from a, a point where everything was about, about this life and about money to, to God is his 
you know, God is what he worships now and, um, and he's married now and he has a kid and it's, it's just so encouraging to see his family and see his faith. Yeah. Uh, my story, I guess, would be um, about a, a lady that we also had a Bible study with. She was in a, actually a group Bible study with us. And you can, you can really just see when people are convicted or when they're struggling internally with something and at one point, um, I mean, she she really wanted to believe, and she just came to us, and she's like, "I just, I just don't know about this part where God says we have to forgive others so that He will forgive us." Oh. If you know, and I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, she's hoping for an answer, like. Um, but of course, that's that's the real truth of it, and um, so that was a big struggle for her. She actually had been in a really tough marriage, and she just didn't know if it was even possible to have forgiveness um, for her previous husband. And um, later, actually, that's another story. She did end up becoming a Christian, and but we since then we had heard that um her husband actually got very sick and he was on his deathbed and she actually went back and was his nurse and took care of wow. him until he died wow. and i just think that's an amazing story of how god actually gives you the forgiveness and the love that you need for people and also um it's a it's a picture of his love for us and how he he forgives us even when we are enemies <laughs> of his right you know he he loves us that much and she was able to give that kind of love to her husband love that that's an amazing yeah. story that is so good that's that's big that's huge what about the future what, what are you guys hoping for and dreaming of for your future? Well, um, it, it's kind of funny, you know, when we came to the mission field, the turnover rate of missions is, is quite high. Um, you know, I saw this as a kid and, you know, the truth is I didn't actually want to be a missionary. Um, I loved growing up as a missionary kid and I loved how my parents were able to have great relationships with people. I mean, I really saw it. Um, people's lives were changed. And, and I love that part. So I did want to serve people, but I didn't like um, some of the struggles that I saw as well that missionaries have. And, you know, one of those is um, just from a financial perspective, I, I just remember looking around like, I'm not sure we have as much money as everybody else. So I, I kind of <laughs> totally. wanted, wanted to serve people and love people, but I, I wanted to be pretty financially stable and independent. Um, so I was only planning to go to Bible college one year and then pursue something that would be a little more lucrative. Um, and it was while I was there that I was convicted, you know, there's, there's really nothing more important than helping people's souls, you know, um, as, as much as you can, can serve others, which is fantastic and, and important for me. I just knew that, you know, God was calling me specifically to be a missionary too. Um, and that said, you know, it seems like whatever plans we have for the future, God seems to change those. And at that time, 
I didn't want to go to Taiwan. Um, I actually wanted to go back to Africa. And so I, I had to have a struggle where it's like, okay, do I want to serve God or do I actually want to serve him the way that I think I want to? And it became strong enough. You know, God was pretty clear. Here's the opportunity. I want you to go. And I, I knew it would actually be on the same level as sin if I decided to not go. And it, and it was strong. And so at that time, I thought, wow, well, minimum 15 years, right? If, if the average lifespan of a missionary is seven, not lifespan, but um, the average time amount of years that they spend in the country is seven, then I want to get at least 15. So we've done that. Um, <laughs> Breaking the ceiling barrier there. Nice. But we feel like we are at this point so plugged into our community. We love it here. We see um, the relationships in our family church and how people are growing in faith and um, we feel like right now is really a, an amazing season of ministry that, that we don't want to just leave. Um, so, you know, we hope God allows us to be here for many more years and see churches planted and, and growing and the gospel spreading. But at the same time, um, you know, politically, you never know what's going to happen. So there, there can always be reasons why you may have to leave a country. Um, but also if God does call us, even if we don't want to go, you know, we would be willing to go wherever and whenever he wants us. But for the near future, we don't have plans um, other than just we really feel like we love what God's doing here and we want to continue to be a part of that as long as he allows. Love it. Love that, too. Um, so that's interesting that you said that you were not originally intending to be a missionary. Um <laughs> When we think about all of the people that we have listening um, to our podcasts and the people that are out there that maybe aren't thinking in that direction either, um, what would you give them as ideas or, or first steps if, if they just want to maybe try it or want to find out if what they're really thinking about is leading them toward mission? You know, I think one thing that we've seen over and over, not just with us, but also with other missionaries is that um, the heart is there to follow. And when it's time, the opportunity comes, you know, God's already got it planned out. And so we always think, man, I need to know, you know, what God's will is here. And when we think we know, sometimes he has a completely different plan anyway. So I would just say, you know, be ready to follow. And when the time is right, that opportunity will come, but that doesn't mean it'll be easy. You know, we have some friends who they've just finished over 20 years of ministry and they got called to the, to the mission field and their kids are all out of the house. They're just now having grandkids and God opened the door and they knew they're, they're, that they were supposed to do this. Um, but that didn't make it easy. Uh, you know, a lot of the, the things about ministry or missions are hard. And so what I would say is, You've got to be certain about your call, and that will help you know that God will bring you through the, the hard parts, too. Uh, don't give up just because it gets hard. Uh, be certain that God is is calling you and that this is the door he's opened, and then then trust him and walk walk alongside. And, and he is faithful, and he is good. Yeah. Um, I'd say if, if there's anybody who really wants to serve God, you just... You just tell him, <laughs> you know, and you say, hey, God, I just want to live for you. What what would you have me do? Nice. 
and he's he's definitely going to put opportunities in your lap. Um, our job is really just to abide in him, mm-hmm. and I think that's from John 15. He says uh, he says abide in me, and apart from me you can do nothing. And and if you abide in me, then there will be fruit. So um, that's the important part. We just we just stick with him and when we are in tune to his spirit then we we see people the way he sees them and we can hear from him clearly and we can love people the way that he loves them and he will give us those opportunities we just have to be ready and willing whenever they happen (laughs) love it thank you guys. guys all right so the last question how can our listeners be praying for you guys and your ministry Oh, great. Well, there, there'd be um, probably a, a couple of big things. And the one is just uh, the, our church family and, um, you know, we have a team here. And so it, it's a little bit of a network of house churches and, and local believers. And, you know, we just see God working. And so we, we would ask for continued growth and continued faith, but also protection. And we know that it doesn't matter whether you're in the States or in, or in foreign missions, spiritual warfare is real and Satan wants to tear down you know, any good work. Uh, a church that's that's doing awesome ministry in the States or, or, or a church that's, that's in Taiwan, Satan wants it torn down. So spiritual protection there. And um, I think you know, for our family, raising five girls in Taiwan is, is great. And just asking for him to continue to to bless that and um yeah. yeah and always we always love prayer for wisdom and guidance yes <laughs> absolutely well, we, will, we will all definitely do that alan cherry one thank you so much for sharing your heart today and your passion for starting churches uh, in taiwan it's a huge deal and parkview is so honored to be partners with you guys I and mean, we, we appreciate everything you're doing I want to let all of our, all of our listeners know that they can catch uh, the, sh- the show notes and we'll have all kinds of things in there, including uh, contact information, but also also a video of Cherry singing at a worship event in, in two languages, which is actually really, really good. I, I'm serious. You have to check it out in the show notes. And also in the show notes will be links uh, for more information on each of Parkview's global partners and ways that you can get connected. So thank you guys so much for joining us today. Thanks, you guys. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, we love and appreciate Parkview so much yeah. more than you know. Awesome. Have a great night, everybody. Bye.